Well, welcome everybody to the Pillow Talk podcast. Uh, this is Sarah and I, um, on behalf of uh, all of our church staff and young adult staff, wanting to answer the questions that you guys have sent in, uh, really coming out of our last sermon on uh, gender and harmony. How do, we, how do we live and operate in harmony? And so we wanted to respond to some of the questions that you guys sent in and and uh, really, it's a response, not an answer. Yeah. Maybe we have answers, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just have responses. Well, we have a couple questions that we'd like to get to. Um, a lot came in, and over the next couple weeks, we'll be responding to all the ones that we can. We may even add on to the end of the series more sermons if we need to, if there's themes that we really see coming up in these question and response times where we're like, wow, we really need to hit that harder. And so we'll do that. Um, we may not answer your question in this go around, but hang in there. Um, we're going to try and respond to all the questions before the series is over. Yeah. yeah. So we got a couple questions. We got a couple. Which mm-hmm. one do you want to hit first, Sarah? I think let's start with the question of how can we divide Bible study time in a way that is fair between a man and a woman? I'm so curious about this one. <laughs> I honestly, I wasn't sure I... I'm not really sure. What were your thoughts on what do you think they're referring to? Um, I didn't have clarity on that. Yeah. And I said this earlier, I know that we cannot always do justice to questions because we don't have the asker right in front of us. Mm -hmm. So sometimes word choice may not be what we're thinking, but looking at this, I'm curious about a few different things. So if you're listening, this is your question. Um, I'm curious about the word fair. I'm curious about a man and a woman, if that's general, if that's like specific to like a one-on-one ratio, but really where my mind goes and what I've heard asked that's kind of in alignment with this is how do we have co-ed small groups, which we do have co-ed small groups, both for marrieds and unmarrieds, mm-hmm. that create a space that honors the dynamic between men and women. And I think in that kind of, we have to unpack the question is, the case made last week was there is this uniqueness between men and women um, that creates a specific dynamic, sometimes specific tensions, whether they're sexual or not, that can both be beautiful, I guess, like means of partnership, especially in the spiritual walk, but they could also um, prove barriers because of these dynamics that we have that can kind of come back to a basis of gender. So how do we, is it possible to even have Bible studies or more intimate spiritual settings where you have men and women sharing and maybe what, what could that look like? And maybe what are the limitations to that? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, that helps, I think, because a little bit of it, yeah, just wondering. I think limitations to that, I think it's totally possible. I think it's absolutely possible. And I think there's a lot of value in in having, uh, even if you're, if you're not in a co-ed Bible study specifically, but having those spaces where you are talking scripture, you're talking the depths of the spiritual life with um, people, friends of the opposite gender, uh, because you're going to need to do that if you get married one day, but also... Mm-hmm even if you don't get married one day, like there's things to garner and grasp and glean that we each uniquely bring. And so there's value in having that. And it's totally possible um, Mm -hmm. for it to be beautiful and thriving. And um, 
yeah, I, I guess I really wonder what, what are the obstacles? Um, anything other than humility? <laughs> yeah. I, when I think of this though, cause I agree and I am, I know you and I are the ones who really were like pushing for co-ed small groups. I know that's an environment that I grew tremendously in my faith and especially in college and even in high school and benefited from the insights of the men in my life. But at the same time, I think what I, th I think of most is that the intrinsic depth that women can have with women and men can have with men that is a, a both appropriate, but also just when it comes to like alignment of like make and design. And again, like I'm very for like men and women are created in God's image equally. We have unique and distinct attributes. So it's not a worth thing. I think it's, it's familiarity in a sense. And Brian Howard said this well last week, but there can be distinctions and there can be more universal, like universal distinctions and there's exceptions to those, but there also are generalizations about men and women that are true where it is maybe easier to connect without risk of overstepping emotional boundary with men because there is this inherent sexual tension that can come. But that aside, I think there's also maybe an intrinsic familiarity. Like I, I even think of um, the story of David and Jonathan and it talks about how they loved each other in a way that was unique to how they loved the women in their lives, their spouses. And I know that can be misinterpreted many different ways, but I see that as a friendship between someone of the same gender that is pure and holy and good that holds this, again, this very like unique space that maybe couldn't happen with someone of the opposite gender because maybe there's not a level of understanding there. And again, it's it's a different type of intimacy. Yeah, the definitely the if you have um, have spaces where you are engaging with one another over what you what you've experienced in life and especially in the spiritual realm but also don't don't uh, miss out on also having the spaces where it's like me and the boys and like me and who, who are my guys who's my guy uh, it doesn't even have to be a plural in in the sense but like to have spaces where the guys can talk and where the girls can talk because there are things depending on relationship depending on um all those dynamics that you mentioned that you need to be wise about how 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 much we open up on certain things you know if you're going to talk which this week we're talking sex and lust and sexuality and a lot of the stuff we're going to get into some of these things but um you have to be wise about what what you open up with others about um that doesn't mean being fearful okay. but it means being wise and so i think navigating that well with with the dudes there's more space to be freer with whatever you might be navigating and exploring and questioning and whatever it might be um and as it is with the women but even in that sphere you still have to be wise and you have to be intentional about who, what am i sharing with who and and why? Why am I sharing? I think that's a key thing, especially when you come into the dynamic between men and women. Yeah. When you're sitting together, it's why am I sharing this? Mm -hmm. Am I wanting to get someone's attention or right. am I truly actually just trying to love and care for others and add? Um, am I making this about myself or am I curious about the others? Yeah. And and I think those play into all relationships. Um, and that even goes to that word fair 
-hmm. I think if fairness, if it's a matter of um, things feeling unbalanced or like one is dominating or something like that, um, I think there's, uh, goes back to that humility and curiosity about the other and motivation. Why be a person who, who steers the conversation through your example or steers the culture through your example by being humble, by being gracious, by being curious about the others, by exercising wisdom and even exercising the communal wisdom Mm -hmm. of of even asking. And that's a part of humility. Being like, there's something I want to share, but I'm not sure if I should. So I'm going to hold off and, you know, whatever. I might be like, I'm going to go talk to my guy, my guy, Matt, later and ask him about it and talk to him about it because I know that's the right space. And I can even get his advice on yeah. should I share that with all the others? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I do think in a way, and I, I want to attempt to answer this practically, too, but I do think like you were touching on, we were missed to address that, like you said, there, there are certain boundaries between men, men and women that you know, can be intrinsically pointed back to like intimacy or sexual tension, but that happens between people of the same gender as well. Mm-hmm. And whether that's codependency, whether it's just a friendship or there's attraction. And I, I think I just want to like insert that to not overly stereotype it too, to say like, you just, you do need to proceed with wisdom in all relationships. Mm-hmm. You can become easily entangled unhealthily in both genders I think one might be more common than the other, but at the same time, it is asking yourself when you're sharing, like, do I have permission to share this deeply with this person being like conscientious of how is my sharing affecting this person? And I think how that can play out when you have mixed gendered and, you know, there are people who are interested in people, the opposite gender in that group, it's kind of asking that question of like, and that that risk is going to be there. So proceeding with a level of like empathy and compassion and not just being like, I can share whatever I want to because that's what should happen in small group. It's saying, okay, like I need to know I have permission to share these things. I need to be aware that what I share might affect someone. And that's where we get situations like I have an emotional intimacy now with someone and that could lead to their misperception of my intention with them my interest romantically or anything like that and being willing to then have those conversations. And we want to equip our community. And I think we've both been in situations like that in our past with people of the opposite gender um, where things have gone askew because we either haven't been willing to like have be ready for those conversations or we don't feel equipped or we just, you know, we didn't know. But when we put together small groups when we talked about this, it was like, okay, if we're going to go proceed with code small groups, we think that the reward way outweighs the risk. Like that men and women communing together in one voice, praising God in one voice, seeking out the wisdom of God. If that is the centerpiece of small groups, I think there is a great, um, I don't want to say protection over that because things can still happen, but it's a focus. The focus isn't just I'm going because I want to meet someone and have a romantic connection. That can be a sub motive. That could be a hope. That could be, that's, I don't think it's wrong to want that, but I think we're, we're convinced that men and women should and can get together, study the word of God, be encouraged, walk away, having insight 
from this other gender created in the image of God, knowing that when we come together, there's this unique harmony. It doesn't, it's not just in marriage. Marriage is this like very special example of that. But also just when men and work men and women are working together, it advances the kingdom in a unique way. But then there's this other side of there's a risk. And we have to be aware of that and equip people to know like things are going to come up. You could ask any of our co-ed small group leaders. Uh, the conversations we have, I don't think, have surprised us or shocked us because we knew they were going to come, right, uh, of misinterpretation of feelings or um, intimacy or even some people not feeling like they could share fully with the other gender around. So in attempt to answer this question, I think this is where the model of discipleship comes in all alongside small groups, having a space where men can get together with men, women can get together with women. And dynamics that are healthy, again, like keeping in mind that sometimes there's codependence, sometimes there's same-sex attraction, and being mindful of that so we're not causing people to stumble, we're not setting people up for failure, you know, making them the sole like pastors of one another, but walking side by side as they seek Christ in a deeper setting where maybe they wouldn't be willing to share something personal or a trauma of their life or something that's more emotional, heavy with a man around or a woman around, but they can get together the brother and sister in Christ and say, there is a level of safety here because maybe romance is in involved or sexual attention is involved or even just our make and design. I, I, it's some of it's implicit. I don't have to explain myself as much because as a woman, you may understand some of the circumstances I walk through. As a man, you may understand some of my hangups or some of the ways that I'm designed in a way that a woman, it might take more explanation and that's not bad, but when we lower the barrier to entry into vulnerability um, in a healthy way, we can go deeper. We can have higher accountability. We can have people speak truth more directly into our lives in a way that can be very situational heal situationally healing and then be able to go back into a setting where there's a mixed dynamic and grow in a completely different way that is also super beneficial. So I think it some of it is put on the person walking into the setting saying, do you know the risk of this? Do you know the reward of this? Are you willing to make a shift or adjustment if you feel like this is hindering you and not helping you? So I think there's a way that we can have small groups where it is fair or beneficial for both men and women. But I think that's also on the person entering the small group to kind of decide, like, what do I need in this season? Do I need a small group setting that is mixed in co-ed? Do I need to grow in my relationships with men? Because maybe as a woman, I only have relationships with women and I'm, I don't know how to walk in friendship with men. Maybe it's the opposite. I know growing up, I had mostly guy friends and I needed to learn to be friends with women. So there's a season where I needed to be in just a, a girl's small group. So, yeah. So which one, do, which one do you want to do next? I'm good with either one. I think the respect one is good. Yeah. What does... Uh, so last week, Brian um, Howard, in preaching, he talked about uh, respect, how men um, how men crave respect and need respect, and women need love. Um, of course, we all need love and respect. Uh, men and women all need love and respect. Um, but he went to Ephesians 5 and how um, Paul specifically calls women to love uh, or women to respect their husbands, basically as the church respects Christ. 
and for men to love your wives in the same way that Christ loves the church. And so there's a specific call to men to love their wives and a specific call to women to respect their husbands. And so the question here is, um, what does men value respect look like? Um, Is that the same way we respect parents and elders? So I assume this is maybe from a woman, I'm not sure, um, but asking kind of like getting some instruction about what does that mean? What does that look like? And so uh, I just want to maybe give a little bit of clarity on these are, again, these are our thoughts. Um, Mm -hmm. We also will look at the scripture. I know Sarah looked up specifically what the Greek word for respect there is. Um, uh, But one thing I'll, I'll just point out is that um often scripture especially in the epistles is not calling us it it calls things out not because they're exclusive but because they're lacking unpack mm, that so it's it usually is calling like the reason that it might call paul is specifically calling men to love their wives isn't and women to respect men isn't because women don't also need respect and isn't because men don't also need love, but it's because men more naturally um, lean towards respect and women more naturally lean towards love. So we need to be called into the thing we don't naturally do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying women have a proclivity to express love more mm-hmm. while men may have a proclivity to express respect. Yeah. And kind of, so C.S. Lewis like talked about this one time where he like basically talked about like women, if you were to just look at how women love, like they tend to love by taking on the pain, taking on pain for others. Mm-hmm. Like in, in a way it's like a pursuit. There's this like, mm-hmm. um, like wanting to take on to come closer is maybe like a better a way to put it. or empathy. And men more often ex- might express love through not causing harm to others, not causing pain to others. Mm, more like mitigation. And so in a way, it's a little bit of like a, one is a drawing, is like a proclivity to draw closer, to draw closer, to, to get more, to, to give more, to, to draw in. The other is, is one to like provide space, to give room. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that's uh, that resonates within my own heart. Um, I'm not sure how that might resonate with others. It's also reflective of things I've seen in my own marriage, seen in my parents' marriage, seen in uh, anecdotally. I see it in lots and lots of places yeah. um, where there is this there is a need for men to be called to specifically towards their wives mm-hmm. and specifically towards women, like because it's what women need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to draw close. So when there's tension, when there's um, something you're unsure about, when she's acting in a way or showing something, frustration, anger, the natural intent of a man generally is to respect. It's to provide space. But Mm -hmm. often what the woman desires and needs is to be drawn close to. And so I see it in a way of Paul calling men, draw close, like do, like be intentional to draw close to her because she needs you to do that. She, it's calling us into that. And then for women, there is a space where it's, it's 
there provide room provide room for him to be him provide room for him to make decisions provide room for him to process provide room um, it doesn't mean don't love but just be intentional love but also be intentional to to respect mm-hmm. it's the attention to manage it's not an either or it's an and we, we need to do both but it's holding that tension well um, in a way that actually serves the other not just what's most convenient or what comes most naturally to us mm-hmm. that's kind of what comes to mind for me um, also respect how you talked about parents or elders i think there's something to that because I think um, of it being similar in that there's also a like, just what's the opposite of respect? I think an antonym would be dishonor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to honor is to like acknowledge and value. To respect is to acknowledge and value. And mm-hmm. so um, there's a part of that too, to to honor and value, to, to champion, to, mm-hmm. to appreciate and not demean don't yeah. be intentional not to dishonor be very intentional not to dishonor yeah i think that's a key thing yeah and like you're saying like i looked up this word and forgive me because i might mispronounce it it's an ancient greek but it's phobia my and it's translated as respect but in other places in scripture it's translated as reverence so in that same way like you might revere like we're called to like revere and love God. And it's like if I asked you like which is more important, it's like you really can't have one without the other. Yeah. And in a way I, I was talking to my fiance about this because he was someone who initially was like, I disagree with that. I, I don't think we should bifurcate it. I think what I'm hearing you say is that it's we shouldn't bifurcate it. It's not like only give respect to men and only love to women. Yeah. I yeah. think in a way it's like to – we love people by respecting them. We respect them by loving them. And even like considering the context of which this is written, perhaps that was something that the men in this community or the women in this community needed to hear, especially mm-hmm. as Paul is even reestablishing. It says, I mean, the title of the chapter, which you know has come through modern translation, is it's Instructions for Christian Households. Paul is trying to teach the church to have like a new form of household within a Greco-Roman system where perhaps the men of the house, like men in society at the time were just, they demanded respect, they're called to respect, but for not perhaps not in a loving way, perhaps not in a way that felt like you had much choice. You respect someone because they had rank, you respected a man because culturally they were considered more significant. But what scripture tells us is men and women are both significant. So perhaps, and this is just my own thoughts and speculating, is Paul is calling them to a renewed sense of what that means. What it what is to have what's what's kingdom respect, which is versus earthly respect? What's kingdom love? Mm-hmm. Love then was often eros. It's it's erotic. It's you know men and women or men and men and women and women whatever because the Greek Greco Roman world was very similar to our own, a little chaotic because there wasn't a, an anchor. And then you enter, you know, the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, and suddenly there's order and chaos and a reordering of the household, a reordering of how the genders are operating in a way that is most honoring to the Lord and honestly dignifying to one another. Yeah. I'm I would reckon that the the respect that he's calling women to give men is is this newfounded respect, maybe a more dignifying, a more looking at 
the character of the man versus the rank of the man, looking at who God has made that man to be versus power that they had to seize or force over a woman. And same with love. Like if love is patient and kindness and Mm self-control, those things weren't really seen between men and women. Women were property often, even in marriage. They were used as bartering tools between households. And even if they did hold some sort of distinguished in society, they used their sexuality or their political prowess or whatever it is to control and manipulate. And we see that language in the epistles too. So I think it's it's I think it's a renewal of what those terms mean. And I do think that both men and women need love and respect. Mm-hmm. But again, looking contextually, why is he choosing to highlight these things in this moment? Perhaps they needed highlighting. Perhaps they needed renewal. But we shouldn't take that and bifurcate it in today's society because I think that would diminish the fullness of what it means to interact between genders. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. All right, well, we just have a little bit of time left. We have one last question that was specifically pertained to gender Mm -hmm. um, and the sermon last week. Um, I'll read this one. I heard a voice in a... I heard, not a voice, I heard once, <laughs> once, from the heavens, uh, once in a podcast <laughs> that the first ever, the first sin ever was Adam's passivity. Mm-hmm. The sin, uh, the sin temptation for men is passivity, which means that they were meant to be and thrive when they are taking action. Mm-hmm. How can we combat that? And what do we as women need to do to encourage them? Wow. Um, well, we can. Uh, we only have four minutes, so I'm not really going to dive into that first sin and is that the first sin and all that. We don't necessarily need to get into that, but more the active part of the end, the actionable thing, is passivity in men. What can we as women do to combat that, um, and need to do to encourage them? And I think the encouragement is the key word there. Yeah. Encouragement's the key word. Yeah. Um, I think. I think of First Thessalonians where uh, it's like encourage each other, encourage each other, build each other up. Like there's just a call to do that. Um, as believers, we should do that. Um, all of the things we're talking about, like you were saying with love and respect with men and women, like this is who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be kingdom-minded people. Yeah. And um, if we operate according to the patterns and rhythms of God's kingdom, um, we will fulfill this. You mm-hmm. will encourage people. You will... Um, you will support men in the way they're doing it. A, a lot of it comes through seeing people as their glory selves, not just their current self, yeah. seeing them the way God sees them. Yeah. And so there is a calling men out to that. A, a big thing, I think, in passivity for myself is uh, I shrink back when it's most often through insecurity. Mm-hmm. And that insecurity comes often from real things. Mm-hmm from real things, um, real sins, real failures, real weaknesses. Um, but I am my best self when I see myself as the Lord does, yeah. which is imperfect yet deeply loved, mm-hmm. loved and championed, useful, mm-hmm. purposeful, yeah. something to give, something to provide, um, and that I can participate in God's love for every person I come across. Yeah. And that makes me active. That activates me mm-hmm. to be proactive when I see myself as my glory self, yeah. as this is who I am. Yeah. I may not be showing that right now, but that's who I am. Yeah. And that's something my wife continues to do for me in 
magnificent ways mm -hmm. is to encourage me in the man I am, yeah. my best self, the man that God created me to be and is working to make me be, mm -hmm. to bring about within me that my heart would reflect who he made me to be and that I can live into that. Because of his grace and his mercy, I can do it humbly, not forcibly, but humbly of like, Lord, thank you that you have not given up on me. Thank you that you make me useful. What can I do for you today? How can I live that out today? Yeah. And women, encourage, 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 encourage. Mm -hmm. I just call out what you see in the men around you. Spur them on, not not by beating them down, by yeah. saying, why are you so passive? Come on, why don't, like, you know, men, why don't you get your act together? Yeah. Rather be like, men, you're wonderful and we need more of you. And give, give and those them opportunities. are different. Yeah. And the opportunity is key. At, like, even just opening a door, like, let a man open a door for you. <laughs> allow, allow men to serve you. Mm -hmm. That I think that was a big piece of pride I had to die to in my own life. It's just because we're capable of something doesn't mean we shouldn't invite others in to help. I mean, that's just the heart of God, period. But I think the core of that is call men up, not just out. And that goes for men towards women too, but call them up and create space for them to act instead of complaining about passivity yeah. if that's the truth in your life. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Calling men up. Um, and, and that's something that we degrade people so much. We tear people down right. so much, especially mm -hmm. men. Let's be real. Men do have a hard time right now. Like they are the butt of the joke. Any man being a man and exhibiting uh, those like Christ-like qualities that are good sometimes are called out in ways that just, it, it, may, be, it may be that... Uh, one man is called out in a certain way, but all the other men are seeing that. Right. And so how we operate holistically speaks to the ones who hear and listen. Right. Of like, ah, that's valuable. That's good. And so um, in a way, have that positive attitude towards the men in your life. Yeah. And be a part of the solution. If there's a complaint you have, be a part of the solution. Break the cycle. Help help the men in your life. If you see that as a pattern, break the cycle. Same towards, you know, the proclivities of women. That might be stereotypical. Both men and women could be passive. But if there are generalizations that you see, be part of the change and ask the men in your life, too, how you can help them. I think, too, you kind of brought it up, and, and I know we got to wrap up, but uh, there might be places where you need to forgive. Right. There yeah. might be bitterness you need to release pride you need to lie down and and do so we'll go to the lord in that and pray to break those things to release those things so that you can love and encourage holistically and wholeheartedly yeah yeah well thank you so much for joining us uh, in this inaugural podcast we're going to be doing this for at least mm -hmm. the next seven weeks and yep. um we look forward to having more Yep. And responding to more questions. Mm -hmm. May the Lord go with you. May his face shine upon you.